Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with the CEO of Barky AI, Chris Barkhurst. He is the founder and developer of Barky AI. It was developed because there was no singular app to help individuals succeed in all aspects of their life. He wanted to change that. It has been in development for over three years. Originally starting as a way to increase his data team's efficiency, he pivoted Barky to help individuals achieve success through reaching their personal and professional goals. He has been in the data industry for over 18 years and has been a data leader for the last nine years. His passion is developing other people to succeed. We cover all of this and so much more. Enjoy. Thanks for taking a minute out today. I'm really looking forward to getting into your world and AI and how you got there and all of those things. And before we arrive at that point, I want to know the last couple of years with the pandemic and COVID has been quite tumultuous for most people. How did you survive that, and how did it subsequently change not only the way that you live your life, but how you conduct business? Uh, well, I mean, before the pandemic, I mean, um, you know, professionally speaking, I was in uh, an office, um, you know, five days a week. And then once the pandemic hit, um, we transitioned to fully, uh, you know, at home. And... Uh, it was it was quite jarring because you had to totally transition your uh, your team into um, being able to communicate without being able to see each other and go to their desk and um, point out things um, you know on the screen. So you had to totally change your way of communication. So it, it totally impacted your uh, optimization and your efficiency. So that is one of the reasons that, you know, I, I worked on, on Barkey. Um, and Barkey was um, originally just a way to efficiently uh, uh, communicate with just team members to help them you know, find information faster and optimize their code without having to um, hunt down um, somebody to ask them a question or ask them to, op- op- you know, look at code or um, whatever. So that helped a lot. Um, and then you would also, uh, from a from a standpoint of just, uh, um, you know, mental breakdown and stuff. I don't, I don't, mental breakdown is not the right word, but uh, work-life balance. Employers, from, from my point of view, employers saw that um, since you're at home, you were able to log on earlier and, le- uh, and leave later. And I didn't, and with my team, I didn't see it that way. I saw that this gave you a chance to live a more balanced uh, life-work um, relationship. So I just started adopting more of a, a book of business lifestyle or a book of business leadership style, saying that, hey, once your work is done, it's done. Just be available. You have your chat up. You have it on some kind of notification. So if, if you had a do the laundry or if you had to pick up the kids or whatever and you saw a chat notification, just just answer it. And my team was really adapted to that style. So they weren't just sitting there clicking the mouse, making sure their their notification, you know, their little bubble saying online was green. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think what I want to do is to kind of boil this down a little bit to, to make it understandable to everybody. And I'm going to ask you this. 
if you are transported into the front of a room of third graders at a career day at a grade school and one of the kids looks up and says, what is it that you do for a living? How would you simplify and answer that to them? What I do for a living is help people become successful through the use of a, an application on their phone where you can ask this application to do anything you want. You can ask it to create a story. You can ask it to um, help you through a hard time in your life. You can ask it to help you with your schoolwork. And that is what I do, is I create this application, I maintain it, and I make sure it works for you. Because this application, um, if you use it, and if you use it the correct way, will help you succeed throughout your entire life. And, and not just in just professional or just, you know, in a personal, but also through a mental health aspect as well. And I guess an, an addendum to that that they would understand is there's a level of this that's akin to, say, a Siri or an Alexa or something along those lines. Yeah, with Siri and Alexa, they, uh, they, they just, you just ask them a question. You know, you ask them, you know, yesterday's sports score, or you ask them what's the weather like yesterday or um, what's going to be like today. And there's no back and forth. With Barkey, there's a back and forth. You ask it a question, and then you can uh, ask it to go deeper or into more detail. And there's a general, there's a genuine conversation as if you're talking to an actual human being. And you actually develop, I, I hate to say it, but a, a, a relationship with that, uh, with Barkey. And once you, you know, it remembers your name and remembers what you talked about in the past. So you can go back to it. You don't have to type in your information again. So you develop a, a codependency with, with Barkey so you can rely on, rely on him for more and more things. That's a great clarification. So let me ask you this. When you were in the third grade, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> well, I was in the third grade. I wanted to be a scientist. I, I had the uh, big Coke-rimmed glasses, and uh, my grandma would always uh, say that uh, – I was their little scientist, and uh, eventually I, I grew up and I became a data scientist. So I, I fulfilled I fulfilled her uh, her dreams and my dreams, uh, probably not in the way that she thought I was going to be, you know, filling beakers and and vials for chemicals. But uh, you know, I became a scientist with data. So let me ask you this: um, Let's go back to your childhood and you know where you grew up and. How did these seeds get in you? I mean, you mentioned science when you were younger, but, you know, obviously all of these things that go into who we are when we're young become who we are later on. What were those things that were really influential that made you who you are today? Well, what was really influential um, back when I was younger was uh, being able to help other people become, you know, um, better, um, making the world a better place. Um, I was brought up in a in a household where um, it was very, you know, strict and, you know, um, you know, not to get back too personal, but I, I saw, I saw the light uh, and I, I found it, the good in other people. You know, I, I tried to be everybody's friend. I tried to go out of my way to help other people. I, I, I saw myself that, the only way to make the world a better place and bring peace to everybody is to do it yourself and and find, and leave 
you know, the play, uh, leave the world a better place than the way you, you, you came into it. So, you know, I'm the type of guy who you see a shopping cart in the middle of the parking lot. I, I take it back to the, to the shopping corral. That's the type of person I was, um, even back then in, you know, third, second grade. That's the type of person I was. Um, and that's the type of person I am today. It's just, you know, trying to make the world a better place. Um, and so the value there is still into my children today. You know, everyone out there, we're, we're only as good sometimes as those we look up to and, and kind of emulate. Who was that for you that was maybe a role model or a hero for you? Um, when I was in second grade, I actually read the story of Roberto Clemente. And he was a Pittsburgh Pirates uh, baseball player. And what really um, got to me was that he was um, he was playing baseball. And I, I want to say in the 60s or 70s, I don't know quite what, what decade it was. But um, he actually, um, I want to say uh, there was an earthquake in his uh, hometown. And he actually uh, flew back there to help the people. And uh, he ultimately uh, passed away due to the injury suffered helping other people in his home country. And that really struck a chord to me because that's the ultimate sacrifice is, you know, he worked his entire life to get to be able to play professional baseball. And then he, he saw that there was a trouble in his hometown and then he gave up everything to go back and help those people in need. And then he paid the ultimate sacrifice. Um, that's, that's selflessness. That's, uh, he, he showed his true colors there. Um, and that's the type of person that I, I strive to be is, you know, I would, you know, I would pretty much do anything I can to help another person. And that's what, you know, Barky is. It's just trying to help other people. It's not about, um, you know, payroll or anything like that. It's just, you know, what can I do to help another person be better? What can I help? What can I do to help one other person succeed in their professional life or help them talk through their mental health problems? So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now, who would it be? Who would you love to talk to? Other than investors. Um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I really don't know. I, I would really like to meet uh, probably Paul Rudd. Um, he seems like a very genuine guy. Uh, whenever you see him, you know, um, you know, doing interviews, one interview uh, I like to think about was when he was doing the uh, Hot Ones. And he was taking those hot wings during that entire interview. He was just, you know, very cordial and very nice. And uh, he just had that demeanor with him. And whenever you, I know, I, whenever you see him talking and or doing some type of a, uh, um, you know, junket, he just seems very personable. And even just when you see him in the and. And, and I don't want to say it in the wild, but you know what I mean, just in a natural environment. He just seems so personable and so, um, you know, willing to talk to people. So as somebody who's pretty down to earth, I'd like to meet. You know, I actually took my stepdaughter before the pandemic began to Shawnee Mission West. And I was, for some reason, I was back there in the theater. I was back in that area. And there's a wall that's spray painted that Paul Rudd spray painted on when he was in high school. It was kind of cool. 
Um, can't remember what it said, but it was in red letters, like Paul was here or something like that. So it was really weird to kind of think about how far he's come. And you're probably one of the first people that I've interviewed that's ever referenced the Hot Ones. My stepdaughter actually got me involved with it. And we revisited that one with Gordon Ramsay this weekend. And I can't believe how, as a chef, with all of the milks and lemon juices and everything he had, he was the one that almost died. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. (laughs) And then after that, okay, this is the other one. This is my theory and my wife and stepdaughter threw it out the window quick. The only one that really kept their composure all the way through the end and didn't really have a reaction, I am convinced, lost their taste and had coronavirus, was uh, Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe totally was, like, spot on. I'm like, there is no possible way that he did the bomb and all of those towards the end and had no reaction. But he was like a champ. He was answering questions, acting like it didn't bother him. Something was up with what he did. I have not seen that one. But I'll yeah. have to check that out. Do it. Because I had just got I got I got COVID early on in like twenty twenty in November. So I kinda knew what it felt like. And of course after I did it, my stepdaughter was ecstatic. She gave me talkies because I don't like hot stuff and I had no reaction because I had no taste buds. So I'm thinking when I'm watching this episode but it could just be that he has a high tolerance for his taste buds could be just absolute titanium. So it's hard to say. Um but uh, but at any rate, you know, I'm curious with you, every day we wake up, we have motivators, we have things we look forward to. What is it that drives you to do what you do? And, and ultimately, at the end of the day, how do you quantify a good day when you get to the end of the day? That's a great question. Um, that's a question I get asked a lot when talking to uh, people. Um, what drives me is actually helping other people succeed. Um, when I have a, a team of people, um, when I'm leading a team of people, um, I take a personal stake in their personal professional you know, goals. What, did, what do they want to achieve? Uh, do they want to learn a, a new software? Do they want to you know, save enough money to go on vacation? Um, do they want to learn a new skill, uh, et cetera? So I sit down with them. You know, they're on my team, so I sit down with them you know, virtually, of course, and I, I plan it out. We come out with a goal sheet, and I say, here's the milestones we need to hit. Here's what we need to do to get to this this, this uh, goal. And I, I want to make sure I give them the time to do that, um, you know, weekly. So if you're on my team, for example, and you want to learn a new skill or a new code language or what have you, um, I, I set aside, you know, two hours a week or three hours a week, however, it along it might take you so you can have that time, you know, carved out in your schedule to practice that. And then in two or three weeks, um, you do a project, you show it to me. And then either, even if that project has bugs in it and it doesn't work, Hey, you achieved something. You did something. You're better, better at this now than you were three weeks ago. And that's amazing. And that's a, that should be something you should be proud of. So at the end of the day, you know, when I, before I go to sleep, I'm ecstatic and I, that, you know, one person or three people or five people have become better and become more successful than they were at the beginning of the day. So that's what drives me every day is getting up and saying, okay, how can I make one person more successful than they were earlier today? How can I do that? How can I improve one person's life? And that's what drives me every day. 
What's been the best client success story or feedback you've ever gotten? The best client success story or feedback? Um, man, uh, I try to be humble in these, uh, but we had a we had a, a at, at the beginning of the pandemic. I was working with this uh, small independent and invest. Um, I would all say an investor and brokerage um, firm, um, and they were seen a, a, a large number of, of their clients calling up and um excuse me let me just step back a little bit they were trying to uh, uh they called us up and i was working for a data consulting firm at the time and they were trying to migrate a database from on-premises to a, a cloud solution so through just talking to them and getting to know them because i'm a people person i like to kind of get to lay the land I asked them, like, are you seeing a lot of people calling up and asking to withdraw their 401ks? Because that's what I saw in the news, and I figured uh, that's what's happening to them. And they said, absolutely, we're seeing a lot of that. I told them, hey, you know what we can do is, you know, we can develop a predictive data model so you can you know, proactively call these customers based off their, you know, these attributes. And uh, once you call them, you can say, you know, we offer a different financial instrument or something or solution, and these uh, uh, this firm was like, "You can do that nowadays." I'm like, "Yeah, data's data's changed. This is AI now. We can do all kinds of cool stuff." So they're like, "Let's do it." So my my team and I we took you know two three weeks. We developed this model. It was great. We showed it to them. We tested it, and uh, I was there in the first day when they made a phone call to uh, their customer. And the customer, uh, you know, hello, how are you doing? I'm so and so from this firm. Uh, we, you know, we're just calling over customers as Curtis calls to see how they're doing during the pandemic. Um, were you thinking about making a, a, any type of financial decisions soon? And the customer said, Yeah, actually, I was thinking about withdrawing some money from our my 401k because um, we're about, you know, we're we're we need some money. And it was just fell silent. The and he's like. Oh well, I can offer you some help. Then uh, we don't have to withdraw our 401k. We have other options. And I saw the uh, we all were had our our webcams on, and everybody's faces were just lighting up. Like, oh my gosh, this is going to save so many people. So it was a win-win-win for everybody. I mean, the the clients won because they're going to be able to build a better customer base. The customers, their clients are going to win because they can. Um, save their 401ks and not have to be accessing any kind of penalties or or fees. And then, of course, my company won because we, now we have a client for life. So everyone out there has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your clients, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Firstly, for me, uh, I think uh, I, I try to think that I'm a funny guy, but uh, people might disagree with me. Um, uh, I think that I'm a... I'm a hardworking person who tries to, uh, you know, I, I take success very seriously, and uh, you know, I'm a family person, and uh, I I believe strongly in a in a, a life work balance, and I believe that you know everybody should have time to spend time with their family and uh, spend as much time with their friends and family, and make them memories because. You know, we're only on this earth for such a, for a short amount of time, and to to spend that time 
away from friends and family is is not how you know it's life was intended to be. It was intended to be you know spent with friends and family. So people think of me as you know what I've been told, and I, I've been I've told myself this as well is I find ways to help people spend more time with their friends and family, and I do that through a variety of different ways. If there's a way I can knock 15 minutes off somebody's um, work so they can spend that 15 minutes with their children, I'll do it. Wonderful. Chris, hey, if anybody wants to know more about you, your services, anything revolving around your world, where can they go? Uh, They can go to barkeyai.com. Perfect. Chris, thank you for opening up. Have a great new year. I appreciate your time, man. Hey, it's my pleasure. You have a good one as well. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino. We'll be covering the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. We are also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.